all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they've got to get them off welfare. Welcome to Cars and Comrades, your socialist car podcast where we sometimes talk about cars and sometimes about other things and sometimes politics as well. So I'm Bryant. We've got Zach and Connor here. How are you all doing? Doing well. Great. Yeah. And uh, Brandon couldn't make it because he's waking up early to go work in the film industry. You know, old Hollywood Brandon there. Living that star-studded lifestyle. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> this 14-hour shifts. <laughs> so, yeah. We'll, uh, ho- uh, this is probably going to be a, a two or maybe three-parter, so we'll hopefully have him on for the next one. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's busy right now making... I don't, I don't know what he said it, it was, but I, I like to imagine that it's like one of those Hallmark mo- uh, Christmas movies. <laughs> you know? <laughs> He did say they were doing something with snow, so I don't know. He also said there was like fog, like almost like a spooky fog. So, oh, okay, probably not. Probably not Hallmark. Yeah, man, they should make a Hallmark like a Hallmark reverse movie where the uh, <laughs> you know small town girl who relies on cars gets swept off her feet by the big city boy who is like all bikes, anti car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it could work. Yeah. The movie with a message right there. Oh, yeah. Staying on brand. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we're going to we're going to do a little bit of the history of bicycles in this episode. But um, we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about our uh, our own projects here briefly. I know some folks don't really care for this segment, so we'll put the timestamp down below. You can skip ahead. Or we might split it up. We haven't really decided how we're doing things. So that'll all, yeah, we'll figure it out. Maybe we'll edit out this part where I'm talking about it. Nope, stays in. Okay. Stays in. Part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're committed to making way too long podcasts. <laughs> no cuts. <laughs> all right. Who, who wants to go first? I forget how we did it last time. Or what last time was even. You know, time is not real anymore. Yeah. Time is an imperialist uh, concept. Indeed. Well, I'll go first because I got a fun little update. I'm currently actually doing some work here, although it's not car related. I'm currently trying to uh, wrap a a rather large Christmas present while recording the podcast. So that's super fun. But it's, it's large. It's kind of a surprise. And my partner is not in the apartment. And I definitely have nowhere to hide it, so kind of had to be wrapped. So, <laughs> so there's a fun update. Um, aside from that, though, uh, got my uh, Z running better. Not great, but better. Um, so my uh, my mechanic actually swapped in a uh, an OEM throttle body, and it's running like 10 times better. 
Oh, man, this box is going together real well until this last little bit here is real fucked up. I think I'm just going to tape it up real good. <laughs> um, yeah, just more scotch tape. Yeah. Just you know, get like hey, a I patchwork kind of patchwork uh, wrapping over it. It'll yeah. Yeah. I might have to do that. Oh, so close. Anyway, um, so the Z is running much better than it was. It's not like it's not doing all the surging nonsense that it was doing. So that's a plus. Um, and that's from switching to the OEM throttle body, because apparently the reality of the aftermarket larger ones is that they don't actually do anything on the Z's. So mm. wow. they don't do anything, but they do cause lots and lots of problems. So, you know, that's been a fun, fun little journey. Um, you know, so, I've heard of people using like bigger throttle bodies, like from a Corvette or something. But I, I think that was like with a standalone ECU. It, de- it depends on the car. So like some cars, you a bigger throttle body will definitely get you more power on the VQs. It does not. Now, of course. Mm. They still sell the aftermarket throttle bodies because it's capitalism, and so they just lie. Um, but the truth is, I have it on pretty good authority from people at the performance shop who know, like people who actually make the parts, and they're like, "Yeah, it's just an Altima uh, throttle body that we put a fucking different, you know, pigtail harness on. It doesn't actually get any power because mm. it's like it's going to a part where this, you know, it's still the same size." after the throttle body so it's like it's not doing any good so anyway it's not like surging and driving quite as fucked up so i had some fun with it last night driving at home uh blew some fireballs on the highway and shit it was cool nice Nice. still not still not perfect um but it is uh it is like drive much more drivable now because it was like real rough driving it before yeah so that's a plus um uh, other update, I did watch the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix this morning, so I got up bright and early at 7. Um, watched this race, and let me tell you, fucking horse shit. <laughs> so, I heard about this. I am not an <laughs> F1 fan, so I don't really know. But it was, Look, it's going to be... So by the time this episode comes out, everyone's going to know. Um, man they just there was a safety car right at the end and it should have finished the race under a safety car which is super anticlimactic but instead they wanted like a good show so they took the fucking first place guy and the second place guy and there was all these cars in between them because they had lapped people and they're like you know what would be really cool if we just like got rid of all these cars that were in the way and we let them go ahead of the safety car and then we bunched the two cars up so that they're like right next to each other, even though the guy in first had like a fucking 20 second lead. They're like, OK, well, we'll put them right next to each other and then we'll let them race it out for one lap. Oh, and by the way, the guy who's now in second is on brand new soft tires. And the other guy who was in first the whole race, he's on, he's done, you know, some like 45 laps on the hard tires that are looking rough now. Oh, and so yeah, that's some bullshit. This was Hamilton Verstappen, right? Yep. Yep. And so it turns into a fucking drag race at the end where one person is like on drag slicks and the other guy is on street tires. And you're like, 
come on now. And this is for the world championship. You're like, damn, that shit was robbery. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, that was something. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, that was quite a race. I mean, just obviously everyone was like, hey, this is fucking crazy. Uh, and they were right. So, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it for my car updates and my stupid uh, gift wrapping while while on the podcast because I'm irresponsible. But, you know, that's all I got. Yeah, well, and I have done absolutely nothing on my car um, other than pump up a tire uh, that was low. Um, I was going to work on it today, but I just went for a bike ride instead. Ooh, that seems like a good choice. Yeah. You know, while it was still light out. Um, so I might go fuck around with the transmission and try to get it lined up again uh, tonight. But um, yeah, that's all I've got so far. So actually, yeah, Zach, that that reminds me. Sorry, I forgot. Uh, the reason I was so late to recording, which obviously if you're listening, you wouldn't know this, but I was like super late to our recording because I was changing over to my winter wheels and I had to go to oh, like... Yeah. I had to like drive to the so I had to like go do this get this Christmas present real quick, drive to the storage unit, fucking swap out all my wheels, and I'm doing it with, you know, a fucking scissor jack and a fucking <laughs> four way and all this. I you know it's funny for someone who changes wheels and tires as much as I do, I still use a fucking stupid ass scissor jack because I'm fucking that's just me. So yep, that's why I was late. Sorry guys. <laughs> No, that's good. I I should be doing that. Um, I haven't, um, because it hasn't really snowed here that that much. But see, that's the problem. You can't wait. For, you can't wait for it to snow, though. I know, but <laughs> also my snow tires are way in the back of the garage, uh, hidden by my MR2, and I'd have to move a bunch of shit to get to them. Yeah, and then I'd have to like jack up the car in the parking lot outside. Yep. So <laughs> I'm I'm just realizing that I have not changed my tires since last winter because a buddy of mine was like yo i'm buying new wheels for my subaru you should buy mine when i get my new ones i'm like oh hell yeah i love your wheels dude i'll totally buy them and uh that was last winter and he still hasn't bought the new wheels yet so (laughs) i just never swapped over So, yeah, that's a good way to not have to switch out your tires to the winter ones. Just never take them off. Run them all summer. Fuck it. Yeah. I mean, I do have all season tires on that car and it's all wheel drive. But still, I should probably switch them to the the actual winter tires, you know, winter. I mean, they are winter tires are great. Although if you've got an all wheel drive car, you could probably get away with all seasons unless you're I guess Denver's maybe maybe a little bit a little bit different. But uh you know, with with what I'm driving, it's undrivable without winter tires. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's shaping up to not snow at all here this winter, so we'll see if we ever get measurable snow. Yeah, I think. Well, no, we had what like two inches last week or something, or the other day. Yeah, Friday. Friday kind of snowed a little bit in the morning, but it was literally all gone by like right. mid afternoon. So I'm not even counting it. That's that's bullshit. Yeah, that was not snow. Um, yeah, I guess that's uh, me for updates then. Now, right? Yeah, sorry, I didn't hand that off very well. well <laughs> oh, that's no, because I, mean... I that's I kind of came in and <laughs> got it's involved. going it's going as smoothly as all of our podcasts go. So yeah, it's, it's pretty <laughs> far for the course. 
shit, I don't remember what the last update I gave was. Did I talk about the power steering pump on the Ranger last time? Yeah, you did. Uh, you did mention it. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, that's just like a known issue on Fords in general, and specifically like early '90s Ford pickups. Um, they're shitty. So I was seeing red fluid uh, under the truck around where the power steering pump was. So I was just like, yep, it's power steering pump. No need to further investigate that. And I swapped it, which was probably still necessary uh, because I think it was an OEM power steering pump. But after I did that, I was still seeing red fluid on the ground and generally the same area. So then I started actually digging around uh, in the engine bay and like looking for the source. And it's coming from the radiator because the transmission cooler is inside the radiator on this wonderfully designed pickup truck. Oh, and yeah. I have a brand new radiator in it. So I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I messed with that uh, this past week and over the weekend for a little while. And it turns out, so there's like a hard line with a, a s- screw fitting that goes into a fitting that's screwed into the radiator but that part that it screws into has a big nut on it on the radiator so it screws onto the radiator so, so i just like, like three different adapters screwed into each other or something yes and that's how it's designed that's not my janky bullshit <laughs> well, so, I, mean, I didn't do so you that. gotta understand they do that so that there's multiple leak paths that yes. way it breaks and you bring it to the dealer where they go Oh man, you should upgrade this piece of shit old truck and buy our big luxury fucking truck now. <laughs> yes, because don't you want a giant six thousand pound death machine that you can't see around and gets one mile to the gallon? That's what you need because you're a man. <laughs> oh man, you've never even sat in the seat of a Ford F two fifty. It'll change your life. <laughs> I I saw someone tweeting the, uh, today about they're complaining about gas prices and that they oh, they go yeah. through like seventy five gallons <laughs> worth of fuel in a day. I know exactly in a week. What I mean, what I know the tweet you're talking about, and it's amazing. <laughs> it's they, like, where the fuck are you driving that much? Like, somebody did the math, and it was like they're like, dude, you, assuming you get like fifteen miles of the gallon, like horrible gas mileage. You would still be driving like 55,000 miles a year. And they're like, (laughs) just stop. Don't drive that far. There's no reason to drive that far. (laughs) That's insane. Are you filling up every single day? Like (laughs) twice a day? Like you got your morning fill up and then your evening fill up. You're just constantly driving. I feel like Brandon could probably relate to some degree, but you know. <laughs> yeah, but none of his cars get 15 miles to the gallon. <laughs> That's why. Uh, anyway, so yeah, after checking all of those fittings, it turns out that the one that's actually part of the radiator, that big nut that's on the radiator was loose. So oh, I just shitty the brand new yeah, radiator, huh? Brand new. I mean, this is, I can't remember when exactly I, uh, put it in. I mean, you could probably listen back to our previous episodes and tell me what <laughs> episode it was when we talked about this. But, Dear yeah. listeners, help us know what we're talking about because we forget. <laughs> yeah. 
you do the work. I'm not gonna. Uh, yeah, no, maybe like a month old. So uh, yeah, brand fucking spanking new. And it, I mean, when I tightened it, it moved, I don't know, metric shit, but three millimeters, maybe. Like, uh, too much for me, or too little for me to notice in, you know, fractions of an inch. Yeah. It just like, whip, just a little, just a little squeep, and that was it. And now it's not leaking. So that's what I've done. Uh, that took me hours and hours to track down. Yeah, yeah that's how those little, uh, that's how those little leaks are. Yep. Pain in the ass. Oh yeah, it's a great time. Uh, I also did do a little bit of wire tracing because um, I'm manually locking hubs, but my four wheel drive is electronically engaged. And when I manually lock the hubs and then try to click the button, nothing fucking happens. So I got to figure out where in the circuit uh, that's just not connecting to the transfer case. Um, and right now I'm leaning towards it's in the panel on the dash, but it could be wrong. It might not be getting power at the transfer case and that might be causing issues on the dash. Cause there is a little indicator light that says the four wheel drive is on, but that's not coming on. So I was like, well, maybe it's just at the panel. Who knows? I don't know. I tried to trace some shit out. Didn't get very far on that. So yeah, it's a two wheel drive truck for now, but it's not a leaking two wheel drive truck. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think that is a, a record for uh, quickest um, quickest project car updates. Yeah. So all the people that were complaining about that, uh, you're welcome. And go fuck yourself. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so i guess we can uh unless we got anything else we can we can move on to talking about bikes bikes oh yeah all right yeah and um so this like i said this will probably be part one of a, a series you know at least two parts um and you know if you're listening and you actually know shit about bikes like you're a bike mechanic you work at a bike store you uh i don't know work for you know, bicycle advocacy org or something like that. Uh, you, you don't know, write in. You don't necessarily know a lot, but you have very strong opinions. Yeah, yeah. You can you can be a guest on our show. You know, that's that's kind of what we're doing is not knowing a whole lot, but having strong opinions about it. <laughs> so uh, that that might be part three if we can get a, a guest on. So uh, there's some some folks I might uh, I might message here, but uh, yeah, if you're listening and you think that's you, then yeah, come on. Come on the show. And in this one, I think I'm going to do just sort of like a, a brief overview of the early history of bicycles um, from like the early 1800s through the early 1900s. So we might get as late as 1930 or maybe even 1955-ish, but probably probably the, you know, the early stuff. And we'll save the rest for later. Yeah, so I guess... Uh, you know, one thing I've learned throughout this is that, like, through a lot of the history of bicycles, it was just uh, a toy for, like, rich fuckheads to, like, do hood rat shit with, you know? <laughs> it was just, like, young guys that wanted to go fast. Um, and I can identify with that. Oh, yeah. But, like, also, like, it's a pretty fascinating you know, look at like the development of technology and also like 
there's a little bit of sociology in here. So like maybe not in this one, but there's a good, you know, history of, um, you know, uh, actually existing socialism using bicycles in, uh, in creative ways. Um, and also the, the early development of feminism and the women's suffrage movement was sort of spurned or spurred on, you know, influenced by bicycles being available to women. I'm sorry. So, excuse me. Really? What? Yeah. What? A yeah. Connection. I mean, I'll, I'll get into okay, that well, later, but, uh, that's, that's a little teaser for, for y'all. I'm very interested. Is this one of those things where it's like, you know, the old, old, old school misogyny where they're just like, women don't get to do what men do and men ride bikes. So you don't get to do that because you're <laughs> a lady. Is it kind of one of those situations? That's a big part of it. Okay. That's a big part of it. Yeah. But like, I mean, it's not a one-to-one sort of thing, but there is like, there's a, a path there. So All right. I'll, uh, we'll, we'll go into more detail. So, yeah. And then in, in part two, we'll probably do more like the 20th century history bicycles. And I'll probably um, go on for a bit about like recumbents and velomobiles and all the weird sort of bikes that, you know, have come out of, uh, you know, normal bikes for normal people. So I guess like to define some terms, you know, we all know a bicycle has two wheels, right? You know, the word means two wheels. Um it fits into sort of a larger category of uh, velocipedes, which is basically any human-powered vehicle with wheels. I thought uh, it was it really from... fast centipedes. <laughs> so well, like, no. that would be that would include the Flintstones car, yeah. Yes, yeah. All that's... right, <laughs> all right. And I guess technically that is a bicycle because it only has two sort of roller deals. I right? love it. Yep, that's true. That's how it works. Is a bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> that brings up the question how the fuck did they steer that thing right yeah i don't know they just mm. like kick faster on one side you know what i bet one person kicks forward the other person kicks <laughs> backwards yeah it's like a tank <laughs> or like they just pick it up and turn it <laughs> they just get to a corner and they pick it up and <laughs> tweak it 90 degrees yeah <laughs> <laughs> I want to say they did that on Mythbusters. Didn't they make a replica of that? One of those kind of shows. Um, anyway, yeah. So Velocipede comes from the Latin word for fast foot. So you're not far off with the, you know, centipede thing. The first sort of invention that's kind of like a bicycle was uh, created by a German guy named Baron Karl von Dreis uh, in 1817. And he called it the, the Laufmaschine. Uh, which I think just means fast machine. But people generally in Europe called it the Drazine, so named after Von Dreis. Uh, it was also called the Hobby Horse or the Dandy Horse. And this is because it was just a bunch of uh, rich noblemen that <laughs> fucked around on these bikes. Oh, of course. And, you know, they're a bunch of dandies. And it was their hobby. Um so this is basically just a wooden frame with a couple of spoked wheels, kind of like wagon wheels. Um, and then you just push it with your feet, kind of like the Flintstones car. And so you could, you know, go like you could go a couple miles an hour. You know, they didn't really have like modern ball bearings or anything. It was basically just a wagon with two wheels. OK. And they usually had, uh, you know, like wagon wheels with like iron 
tires, iron bands around the, the wheels. So they didn't ride very nice. Um, and they're also like super heavy, big chunky chunks of wood. Would the brakes be like wagon brakes, basically just like a piece of wood that just levered down onto the face of the tire? Yeah. Smush into it? Okay. Yeah. And that that was basically how brakes worked on bicycles up until like almost 1900. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a wood chunk of wood on a steel tire. It was more often maybe a chunk of steel on a rubber tire or a piece of rubber or leather on a rubber tire. But yeah, that was like, you know, you know, pretty typically used for a long time. So from about 1820 to about 1860, um, tricycles and quadricycles became more popular. So you didn't have to balance on two wheels. You had, you know, three or four wheels. And I couldn't really find any pictures of these old tricycles and shit. Like, I mean, there's probably not that many that remain. Um, and it's not really clear if these had pedals or if they were, you know, you're just kicking your feet to, to move them or what. But in 1839, uh, a Scottish blacksmith named Kirkpatrick Macmillan, it's a very Scottish name, uh, invented the first treadle powered bicycle. So it, it had like, they're not quite pedals. They're sort of levers that you would push on. And then there'd be like a linkage and a crank to the back wheel. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen those little little pedal cars that kids have. And they got, you know, like these um, like levers and rods that go to a crank on the back axle. And it's like, or like a like an old school sewing machine with a treadle thing. Hold on. And, uh Brian, I'm sorry. Do you have in your notes anywhere like a picture to this or? Uh, I don't have a pic. Um, actually, I do. Hold on a second. I feel like I need to I need to see this. And it's called a what? Uh, this is uh, this is a bicycle. Um, I think it was called a, a velocipede of ingenious design by uh, someone here. But um, but let me see if I can copy something. Hold on. And I love that old inventions just talk themselves up so much. Okay, Everything hold on, hold on. called like the most ingenious thing you have ever witnessed with your own two mortal eyes. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so, um, all right. So if anyone's listening to this, you can look up Velocipede Bike and you'll get a pretty good idea. One of the things that I'm seeing here, it looks like a fucking elliptical with like three wheels. Is that? Yeah. Okay. That's yes. pretty much what we're talking about. Okay. I mean, so this the, one had the one I'm talking. I was talking about last had had two wheels, but yeah. Yo, and these I are posted expensive a, as fuck. They have modern ones. They're like two grand. Get the fuck the out of here. Fuck. Yo, there's one Wait, here. What? This, this one is th- almost three grand. Oh, post the link. I want to see it. Wait, the Street Strider. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Dude. Holy shit, dude. What the fuck, man? How do you how do you justify that? That is outrageous. How the fuck Ryan, is it this... indoor slash outdoor? That's what I want to know. Where are you riding yeah, that's this indoors? A... Where yeah, where are you finding this? Where's you can ride a motorcycle in, in, indoors by the same fucking logic. Um, so I looked up Velocipede bike. Uh-huh. Um, and you can see these like, you know, fancy white people um, <laughs> riding shit. Click on that and you'll see like the price. Oh, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. With the little weird like elliptical machine levers yeah. handle things. Yeah. That's 
I mean, the the way that the the pedals work is kind of similar to, I think, Street Strider. Okay, no, this has a chain, but it's got some crazy ass elliptical machine nonsense on it. Yeah, that is weird. Uh, yeah, in case you were curious, uh, this is actually on sale right now. Holiday savings, save six hundred dollars. They're usually thirty four ninety nine. It's on sale for twenty nine hundred dollars. <laughs> oh, see, see, I found it here for fourteen hundred bucks. That's a, oh that's a God. bargain. What the oh. fuck? That's so much money. Unacceptable. <laughs> Unacceptable. Burn capitalism now for just, I mean, if for no other reason, this is a good enough reason. <laughs> yeah. My God. Yo, I'm, I'm about to go commit some anti street strider action. <laughs> some moral shit. Believe what? me in my, in my anarcho communist fucking utopia. Uh, these are accessible and subsidized by the government or well, not the government, but you know what I mean? These are available the for not, yeah, these are not for three thousand uh, dollars. In my utopia, they don't exist. All <laughs> the history of them has been deleted. They will never <laughs> exist again because it's dumb as shit. It's so goofy. I do, I'm sorry if you are a street strider enthusiast and I've just destroyed your way of life. But yeah, yeah. all this money for something that is very similar to what this guy made in what 18 whatever 39 39 dear god all right yeah sorry we derailed we derailed you here but that's that's to be expected hey you know yeah i mean bicycles have derailers so you know we're just uh on brand staying on brand that's what we're about (laughs) yeah okay so i added a link in the notes to that uh that thing uh, it's it's filed under overpriced weird elliptical bike thing. <laughs> so uh, where was I? Um, okay, yeah. So and th- this is a little bit disputed. There's not a whole lot of documentation about it. Like I guess there's um, I forget if it was an English or a French guy who claimed. You know, some people say he was the inventor of the first you know bicycle with actual pedals or whatever. But uh, this guy, uh, McMillan, he's also as- associated with the first recorded instance of a cycling traffic offense <laughs> when a Glasgow newspaper in 1842 reported an accident in which an anonymous gentleman from Dumfriesshire, bestride a velocipede of ingenious design, knocked over <laughs> a little girl in Glasgow and was fined five <laughs> shillings. <laughs> <laughs> So he probably had his little shitty spoon breaks, you know, and just wiped out and took out some little girl. You know, of of all the things that have been lost to history, I like that that incident is forever part of history. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So and then, you know, it took until uh, 1853 uh, when someone decided, hey, why don't we just put some like cranks and pedals on the wheel itself, like on the hub? And uh, that was a Bavarian guy named uh, Philip Moritz Fischer. And this had cranks on the front wheel. So it was kind of like a modern kid's tricycle. Gotcha. And, you know, this like was a lot easier and it was it was better than the old hobby horse where you're just kicking your feet. Um, (laughs) 
but uh, you, it limits your top speed a little bit to basically whatever the gearing is for that uh, and the size of the front wheel. And this style, it, it became popular in Europe and a little bit in America, but uh, it was known at least in America as a bone shaker because it had a rigid frame and those uh, metal tires that we were talking about. This is almost so like did... my car. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, dude, that reminds me. I was driving around yesterday and saw a uh, Escalade with like, must have been like 25 or 30 inch ty- uh, wheels and like the thin low profile tires yep. on it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You know, two inch sidewalls or something like that. Rubber bands. Basically, yeah. It looks like it, you know, it would fall apart if it hit a pothole, which I mean, there's plenty of potholes around here. I don't know how it's it's still going, but I don't know. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so I guess the roads in America were not the greatest in the 1800s and uh, still tradition lives on today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so this thing never really caught on in America, but it it was popular in uh, in Europe. And this was like the first mass produced bicycle. Um, cause they had cast iron, uh, frames, so not very light, but, um, but you know, also super brittle. I would imagine they probably broke yeah. all the time. <laughs> yeah. It took them a while to like figure like this is still, it, the frame is just like a beam, a vert, like a horizontal beam that goes across <laughs> and then like the wheels attached to that. So it's like, it's not like a modern diamond frame bicycle. That's actually strong and stuff. They're just like, uh, Make it out of thicker iron, you know? <laughs> should we change the way that we design this? No. <laughs> no, we should not. We should just make it bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is still when, like, engineering was at its infancy and people are still figuring shit out. You know? Like, it. you don't... Like, uh, like a bridge or, uh, like, a, a locomotive from the same time period is just heavy as fuck. You know, yeah. Oh, yeah. they didn't. Yeah, they didn't figure out how to make lightweight things for a while. Apparently, um, they hadn't discovered triangles yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Basic engineering principles were nowhere to be found. Right. If you've ever that's built what, a roll cage, you know, triangle strong. Oh, yeah. you know, it's. One of the one of the things that I often think about is everyone's like, oh, these all these like great thinkers and shit. I'm like, back then, like everything was so fucking dumb that it's like if you were of, you know, mild intelligence, you could be like, damn, what if we like used a triangle instead of a beam? Uh, shit was a lot easier to invent back then. Now, everything, it's like, okay. everything that was invented was invented by rich dudes who were blasted on codeine and cocaine. <laughs> like they had no idea what they were doing. They just had money and they're like, this is the right way. I know because God told me and yeah. then they just went with that. <laughs> yeah. So like, that's one of those, like, again, the like primitive accumulation stage of capitalism is just like, yo, it was fucking easy to just oh come up with a new idea you're like you now it's kind of tough you're like oh you know there all the ideas have been had so if you don't have a multi-million or billion dollar funded research lab you're you're kind of shit out of luck i mean yeah. with some a few exceptions but yeah back in the day there was a lot to improve on holy shit okay sorry to derail again i just found a picture of a modern day uh, velocipede 
Uh, it's called the Flizz Bicycle, and it's basically just a big U upside down with a wheel on other end, and you are harnessed into the U, and then you just kick your feet down. So you just run <laughs> on the ground. It's the, okay, what's it called? What's it called? The, the Flizz Bicycle. F-L-I-Z. Oh, yeah. It is it's somehow like a... goofier than the elliptical <laughs> one. <laughs> oh come on now okay pause all right if you're listening pause the podcast you you can't i know what you're thinking you're like oh i could just not look this up no you can't you must look this up my god this was invented by a german wasn't it it has to have been oh my god you know what this reminds me of uh that south park episode where they had the it or whatever the yeah. like, <laughs> circular. <laughs> oh, oh my god! I like his incredible. prototype that's just made out of like a bunch of sticks nailed together. If oh, you scroll god. down, prototype one. Yeah, here I'll post the link here. Uh, this is unreasonable. <laughs> this is a meme. This isn't a real thing, is it? it no one built this. This is a meme. <laughs> I don't god. know. I mean, it doesn't seem. Like there are it a should lot be of real, pictures. but there are a lot of pictures for this to not be real. Oh my god, I found the stick one. Oh my god, I found the stick one. <laughs> oh, un- unacceptable. This this kid should have flunked out of college immediately. <laughs> not allowed, sir. Please go home. This is the most like high in a college dorm room thought out shit I have ever seen. He was just baked out of his mind and was like, what if a bicycle was upside down? <laughs> and then he made that. And it's as stupid as it sounds. Holy shit. Oh my god. Alright. I gotta say, so the old bicycles, the, the proto-bicycles seem to make way more sense than what is apparently modern. Because it's gone way downhill. We yeah, have gone the I, other direction here. I don't know. It seems like with with a lot of things, you know, every every couple of years, someone's like, "Oh, I've I've reinvented the the like I don't know um, a chef knife or whatever." And it's like, you know, that's that's been a pretty mature technology for the past <laughs> like I don't know 150 years. Like, can you really improve on that? Like, come on. They just fuck with the handle and then they call it ergonomic. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love that. What a a term created by capitalism. And it's just like, that's not a real thing. Have you ever tried to shovel snow with an ergonomic snow shovel? Yeah, oh, I think snow. ergonomic is just code for bad. Yeah, it's, you're like, <laughs> please, no, this is the worst. <laughs> oh, God, right. I love this. I love this. Hold on. It, this article. Most bikes on the market today are not dramatically different in appearance to those that were on sale 100 years ago, but the Flizz is one of very few bikes, <laughs> bike designs that make reference to the days before pedal power. Yes, that's exactly what I want in my modern design, referencing <laughs> old, outdated shit that we found better ways to go about. That's perfect. Yep, yeah. charge me $1,200 for it. So I can look like a jackass. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, really, the only reason to have like an old school hobby horse is like for children learning to ride a bike and balance. You know, you get them something where their feet can touch the ground and yeah. it doesn't have pedals and they're just pushing it around and and learn, you know, the basics that that kind of makes sense. But like, yeah, like 
the 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 bicycle hasn't really changed that much in a hundred years because they fucking figured it out a hundred years ago, <laughs> and it doesn't need that much improvement. It's like saying the anvil hasn't changed in millennia, but this one is new and better. It's three D printed out of dry spaghetti, and it's, <laughs> it has no flat surfaces. It's great. Don't you want one? <laughs> I hate yeah, it. I I mean, hate maybe it. We'll, get the, <laughs> we'll get into some of that shit in part two, I think. But like, yeah, like, you know, the basic design hasn't changed that much. You can make shit out of carbon fiber or aluminum or whatever, but like, whatever. All Anyways, acceptable uh, things and avenues to move forward with. Yes. Okay. I'm Let's sorry. See, one last interruption on. here. One last interruption for anyone who's interested in looking this up, which I hope you are. You can find a video of the Flizz bike on YouTube and yeah, just throwing it out there. It's on YouTube. <laughs> Dear God. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Brian, continue. No, it's all good. Um, so, I mean, these bone shaker bikes, like that was kind of the first uh, bicycle craze. Like anytime that there's like a new development in bike technology or like it becomes easier to mass produce them, you know, people start buying bikes all of a sudden, you know, and it becomes a big thing. Uh, so this was like kind of the first uh, instance of that. And then in 1869, uh, a French guy named Eugene Meyer, he wanted to go faster. And he's like, oh, this, you know, this shitty bone shaker bike, you know, the the front wheel is only so big. So you can only go like, I don't know, maybe 10, 20 miles an hour or something. So he, st- he invented uh, what we now call the penny farthing uh, bicycle. And so if you put a bigger wheel on there, you effectively get higher gearing. You can go faster. Is and, this the, like uh, circuit, the circus bike that's got like the stupid six foot ass diameter front wheel or. Yeah. Yeah, ass. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, these were th- this same guy, Eugene Meyer. He also invented um, a tension spoke uh, wire wheels. So, you know, this kind of made it possible to have a giant ass six foot diameter wheel without it weighing a million pounds. Um, so, so they didn't come up with the idea. Like they thought of a bigger wheel before they're like, Hey, we can just change the like gear size. Like, you know, actual like reliable roller chains and sprockets hadn't really been invented yet. Hmm. But like, fair enough. That, yeah, I guess I guess if you're limited by that, it's like, right. I'm just like, how was how would the first thought not be like, oh, I should change the gear size to just like and make it so that you can change. Yeah. OK, I guess. I yeah. But see how this happened. But man. but also to to your point, like I did find I forget who it was. It's not in my notes, but there was someone who was doing um, like a bone shaker style bike with a smaller front wheel. Um, but they had uh, gears and sprockets to gear it up, like integrated into the front of the the bike, and it it looks pretty nuts. I, I'll see if I can find a, a picture of it. But um, uh, hold on a second. I think the description of a penny farthing as a circus <laughs> bike is uh, pretty accurate because every time I see one, all I do is. <laughs> Like it just plays in my head. <laughs> I can hear it in the background. Oh, I didn't find that, but I did find someone, some like modern 
take on a penny farthing bike. I really hope this is fake and not something that someone actually built. Yeah, I think this is a render. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll post this in the chat if you want to see something stupid. Penny farthing mountain bike. Always. Um, I always want to see something stupid. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so yeah. like... <laughs> <laughs> oh oh my god i love it uh, it reminds me of those people that ride like unicycles Look, I'm, I'm gonna be real with you though like, i think i'd buy yeah, this right. i think yeah. i would buy this <laughs> this render looks kind of cool i don't know if I maybe would, it's just a good color scheme i don't know if i would pay money for it but I would definitely ride one. If I would it was pay available. a little bit of money for it. As in like <laughs> no more than a regular bicycle, but I think I would, I like that it's a mountain bike as if you could ride this on any kind of terrain at all. <laughs> this is incredible. I love it. I mean, if it was real, it would be ridiculously expensive. Like based on the render, it's got like a remote reservoir <laughs> shock and carbon fiber body. Like they went so hard on this. It's, it's so I found another example of the same thing. I'm putting it in the chat now. <laughs> All right, save these links because they gotta. Oh we yeah, gotta put these, we gotta put these out. <laughs> But yeah, I guess the point is like people were fucking around with all kinds of bullshit back in the day before they figured out, oh, hey, just have a chain drive to the rear end, you know, quit all this bullshit. But uh, so these uh, penny farthing bikes, they had typically solid rubber tires. So it's, you know, basically just a uh, strip of rubber that's glued or fastened somehow to the outside of the wheel. So they weren't all that good at, you know having a a nice ride or anything. (laughs) They're also, since you you're like way up six feet in the air, they had, you know, a a terrible center of gravity and people would fall off them and hurt themselves all the time. Yeah, but they, you would have to like, actually this shit would really hurt if you fell off, like not like a regular bike, like this, this is a fall. You go off one of those things. It is ugly. Yeah, (laughs) it was, it was pretty common for people to like smash their heads in or uh, break both their wrists trying to stop their fall. My God. You know, shit like that. And sometimes, like, people would, like, get their leg tangled up in the spokes and fall off and break their legs and stuff. So, um, yeah, this is part of why it became sort of a um, a thing for young, stupid men to do, uh, is sense. to ride bikes real fast, is because they were fucking dangerous and stupid. It's kind of like the same reason I drive my car. Yeah, exactly. This would be like, like okay. it's like I'm not relating too hard to this. I can't right judge now. too much. <laughs> this would be like if the only car you could buy was a 350C. You know, <laughs> probably also, probably not. The, most people would be into it. Technically, I still I think it still holds the record as the most fatal car on the road. Oh Jesus, really? Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah, people uh, people smash them to bits. It shouldn't. I mean, it's a it is a very stable vehicle, but well, okay, yeah, you can get a little tail happy. I'm just used to that. So, <laughs> yeah, no, um, it is. At least it was in the last couple years. The 350Z held the title of most fatal vehicle, followed by the Nissan Titan, the truck. So, Interesting. Yep. Yep. The 350Z hmm. is involved in a lot of um, <clears throat> single car accidents. <laughs> 
I can't imagine and, why. <laughs> and uh, the the safety is not, you know, great. Although it's a pretty beefy ass vehicle, so I don't know. It's not like it's not like a Miata. Well, the yeah, safe yeah, anyway, part of a sorry. Miata is that you can't get it going fast enough to hurt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember when I had my Miata, I was looking in, like, should I buy a roll bar? And most people are like, you know, you're more likely to smack your your head on the on the roll bar than actually, like, have it save you in a crash. So just yeah. don't bother. But you might, they. but for a lot of events, like, if you want to drift, a lot of times, because you've got the soft top, they will make you put in a roll bar. Right. Because rollover risk. So sometimes it's like, it's a requirement for the track, but... Yeah, it's not. I've never seen a car flip drifting because, you know, that's very difficult to do. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. I actually know someone who flipped a car on the street drifting, <laughs> but it's because they hit a curb. Were they and in the 350Z? It, is... it was not me. No, it wasn't me. I just know. I know somebody who did that. And it's like, oh, yeah, that happened years ago. But it was low speed, too. It was at like 20 miles an hour. It just looked goofy. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I'm done interrupting. No, it's all good. Um, Back on track. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not. So there was a, a there's a lot of innovations that happened in this time period. So uh, 1868, uh, those wire spoke wheels, uh, those solid rubber tires. Eight, also in 1868, in 1869, the free wheel was invented. So that's like the one way ratchet thing uh, that you know oh, today. See, yep, nice. Yeah, so uh, if Brandon was here, he'd probably tell us all about how fixies are better. But uh, we're we're gonna, we're gonna that would be his reactionary position. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was invented by William Van Anden of Poughkeepsie, New York. Uh, and then uh, same year, eighteen sixty nine, a uh, Parisian bike mechanic named Jules Sereri uh, invented uh, or he didn't invent ball bearings, but he was the first person to put them on a bike. And so that, you know, greatly reduced rolling resistance because back in the, before that, basically you just had a, like a bronze bearing with some grease or oil in it. Um, just like plain journal bearings, but you know, not pressurized like they are in a car just with a little, little drop of oil in there every once in a while. And, uh, yeah. those weren't the greatest. And then the, the chain drive to the rear wheel uh, didn't come around until 1885. And that was an Englishman named J.K. Starkey. And um, he sort of combined all these innovations into a single bicycle that he called the safety bicycle uh, and uh, sold it under the brand name Rover, which is, you know, the progenitor of today's Land Rover. So uh, really? Wow. Yeah, wild. So there's Wait, a so uh, started out as a bike. Yeah, and and there's a lot of these brands that started off making bikes. Like um, Peugeot is a big one. Um, I think they really? still make bikes. Yeah. Huh. Um, a lot of like motorcycle and car companies, you know, were making bikes back in the day. Um, Interesting. Because that was the big thing. Like especially around by the time you got to 1890. When they had, so in 1888, uh, John Boyd Dunlop, as in Dunlop Tires, invented the first pneumatic tire uh, for a bicycle. And so this is when 
you know, by 1890, you know, bikes were actually like safe and practical enough that basically anyone could buy one and ride it without like, you know, being afraid of breaking their arm or, or like having a terrible time riding on cobblestones with no suspension and no, <laughs> no uh, pneumatic tires or anything. I, yeah, I guess we've come a long way. It's just such a simple, even today's bikes are just so simple. You're like, well, well, you know, how much history could there be to bikes? And now I'm like, okay, there's a lot of history to bikes. And apparently they were fucking dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but it is kind of cool. Cause like my friend has, um, a bicycle from this time period, like maybe 1900 ish, I want to say 1895 in that range. And it looks like any old bicycle. Like if you just, you know, if you didn't uh, look at it too closely, you'd say, oh, hey, that's a that's a bicycle. Like, I think he's put like more modern uh, wheels and tires on it. I think it came with uh, wooden rims. And (laughs) um, I think the I think the old way of putting the tires on there was to glue them on or sew them on. I like I like that. (laughs) Sewing the tires on. Yeah. So he's got like, you know, wheels like steel wheels from the 1950s that actually have the the beadlock sort of what do you call it? Um, Yeah, that's an upgrade. Yeah, that's an upgrade. (laughs) Although now I'm now that we're going through this, I'm like, God damn, you know, I kind of want an old penny farthing fucking bike. That's that's what I want. Right around the neighborhood with that. (laughs) I've seen people. I I think they call it like a mini farthing or something like that, where you basically just take the front end of a regular bicycle and the rear um like a rear wheel from like a child's bicycle and you build a frame around that so it's like a penny farthing but just smaller i like it yeah yeah so here's where we get to the the feminist movement um so like before the safety bicycle women weren't really it was a social faux pas for a woman to ride a bicycle because like i said they were dangerous and and uh, terrible but also, well, and of course, they were they were expected to um, serve their purpose of uh, taking care of men and popping out babies. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And also, yeah. like, you didn't want uh, women going anywhere without a male escort or a chaperone or whatever. Yeah. They might start talking and coming up with ideas. That's not that's no yeah. good. We can't have that. No, that's yeah. They might start realizing that, you know, they want more stuff. No, <laughs> no, no good. No so. bikes for women. I, all right, I get it. <laughs> so it was it was socially accepted for them to go like on a tandem bike, like a two seater with a, you know, as long as the guy is driving. Yeah, as long as it's with a man, of course. <laughs> so there's a couple different versions of that. There's like the tandem bikes like we have today, um, which I, I always wonder why. Is there a reason why other than tradition that women are usually in the rear seat on those, you know? Yeah, I would say probably, probably tradition. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> but you had a lot of, like, two, two-seater two tricycles. Like, I think Queen Victoria had one of these. Wait, a two-seater tricycle? Yeah, so it was like you're sitting right uh, next to each other, and you have, like, two big wheels and one in the front for steering. Kind of like, kind of like... Oh, um, I like, yeah, okay. Like the old-school cars, like the old Mercedes-Benz from, you know, yeah. 1890, whatever. That is super cool. I'm like building a shopping list at this point. Like, just <laughs> of old bicycles that I want. Like we don't have enough space for it in this apartment. I, I don't have space for a regular bike in our apartment because there's like a waiting list for the, you know, bike room. And I'm like, all right, well, 
we get out of here, maybe I can have a bike again. But uh, now I'm like, I want 50 bikes because they are, in fact, cheaper than cars. <laughs> <laughs> so that seems like a thing worth collecting. And goofy ass old timey bikes seems like a great hobby. You yeah, could definitely just be that guy that like gets a spot in the bike room and then puts a two seater trike in it. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, what asshole did this? I need, yeah, I need eight spots, please. <laughs> oh man! So there's all kinds of goofy shit that I would want to build, and I might actually now that I have my own garage space, but I probably won't because I'm lazy. But like, one of them is uh, like a, take a old couch or a love seat and turn it into like a quadricycle. So yes. I <laughs> basically like what we're talking about, you know, two or three people sitting side by side pedaling their little bicycle quadricycle thing. Uh, <laughs> another thing I might do is build a, my own recumbent bike, but that's another, another thing. Just like take a couple of road bikes and, or take a road bike and stretch it out longer so you can sit lower on it. Nice. But, um, yeah, so so women started riding bicycles by themselves, uh, and people got freaked out about this, and they really got <laughs> freaked out when women, women started wearing pants. Because oh, yeah, that's that's not allowed. See, yeah, that's, that's you gotta wear the whatever they wore skirts, I guess, long skirts maybe. Yeah, and and so like Why I mean. There are women's Why bikes. did history happen? I just, I don't get his, I, I don't understand like how it even happened. I'm just like, how was any of this acceptable? I just, come on. Sorry. No. Yeah. And, and um, I mean, this is where like uh, bloomers became a thing. Like women would wear sort of baggy pants with a scandalous like, sort of a, like a vestigial skirt, you know, to, to say that they're, they're wearing a dress, you know, but yeah, people, a lot, of, a lot of male outrage about this. Um, uh, also, uh, people were worried that women might uh, use the, the bike saddle to masturbate. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't want to know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I'm sure someone does that, but uh, I can't. I don't know. I, lo- I, I love uh, all the men like, oh, dear God, can you imagine if women masturbated? You're like, all right, look, sir, I, I don't have to know you to know what's going on. But like, <laughs> come on, sir, please, please. <laughs> I mean, and if you think if you think any woman in your life is not doing this, you are very confused, my 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 good sir. <laughs> Uh, well, oh, you sorry. Know, anyway, as the very smart guy, Ben Shapiro noted, <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't, they don't. Yeah. yeah. And it's, if it's wet, it's, uh, you know, that's a medical issue. <laughs> <laughs> this just, this just makes me think of, uh, Max exercise bike from it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. Have you seen the episode? You know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know. He designed the Aster 4000 or whatever. (laughs) He designs an exercise bicycle that doesn't let you sit down because every time you pedal, uh, uh, an arm comes up from the seat to keep your ass off of it. 
in a kind of reciprocating motion. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners cannot see what I'm doing with my arm, but you can imagine. <laughs> the bike fucks you. It's a fucking bike. It, like, it's like, bah, 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 bah. It, like yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Yeah, oh, that's so, amazing. so uh, there's also a uh, Dr. Shadwell who uh, who said that, you know, women might get something he called bicycle face. Um, <laughs> yeah. You can't even get through a sentence without us laughing. This is just ridiculous. <laughs> so, uh, of all the things, I think bicycle face might be the funniest thing I've heard. <laughs> it, it, sounds like, it sounds like an insult that, like, a third grader would call you. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, bicycle face. <laughs> Oh, oh man. Um, <laughs> so this was a, a, a condition character. Uh, basically, if you if you rode if a woman rode a bike too much, uh, she might end up looking uh, flushed, but sometimes pale, often with lips more or less drawn, and the beginning of dark shadows under the eyes, and always with an expression of weariness. So uh, it's exercise. It's potentially yeah. <laughs> exercise. Oh, this this condition of bicycle phase. Yeah, it uh, it was also uh, included. You should do cocaine about it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Those 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 women with that bicycle phase. Yeah, it's it's basically just like you know, this guy saying, riding bike will give you give you resting bitch face <laughs> and it's okay well he was a man yeah so he's he's he knows oh my god and, all of uh, history needs to be we should just forget all of history forget <laughs> learning from it you can't learn from it it's bad just undo it you know what humans were made 20 years ago that's what happened uh, yeah. no more questions so <laughs> symptoms also included uh, a hard clenched jaw and bulging eyes, uh, exhaustion, insomnia, heart palpitations, headaches, and depression. So I don't, I mean, exhaustion and insomnia. I don't know. Uh, Could you imagine going to a doctor at that time <laughs> when this was cutting edge medical science at the time? Yeah. And <laughs> I found... I don't have this in my notes, but one of the people that was like uh, debunking this whole bicycle face thing was writing in the like American Journal of Phrenology or something like that. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. So, yeah. Oh. So a, a lot of uh, a lot of early feminists uh, wrote glowingly about bicycles. Um, I'll just got a couple quotes here. Uh, Elizabeth C uh, Katie Stanton wrote that the bicycle was a tool which motivated women to gain strength and take on increased roles in society. Uh, Susan B. Anthony said in 1896, let me tell you uh, what I think of bicycling. I think it has done more to emancipate women than anything else in the world. I stand and rejoice every time I see a woman ride by on a wheel. I mean, as is, is, is like mildly insignificant as it sounds today, it does sound like it was a big deal. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Every And I, I think that's true today. Every little fucking thing that any oppressed group of people does, huge difference. It's like it is a massive win. Every time you see it, like, oh, good for you. That's that's progress. 
I mean, it's still true for bicycles. Like they can be so liberating just to have the ability to move your body across a greater distance than you can with your feet. It, it's a huge win. Like I, it allows you to have so much more freedom. So oh, just yeah. being yeah. able to have a bicycle. And I think that's why, and I don't want to speak for everyone here, but we're all pretty pro train here, but I think we're generally pro city scapes being built around, you know, pedestrians and bicycles as well, despite being a car podcast, because it's just, they're cheap. They're easy to own, to maintain. They're easy to use. And it just frees up your person to move around the space that you exist in, in a much better way than your feet or a car. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's so useful in tight spaces. I actually, like, I find that, like, even in cities, like, you know, where I'm at, like, in the city of Chicago, it is, I don't know, I, like, I wouldn't want to ride a bike there. They have bike lanes and stuff, but I don't know, it seems scary to me. I'm just like, uh, it seems like the city was built before, like, it was built around the car, sort of, but it was built around the Model T. So, like, all the streets are too narrow, everything is just like ah, it's not really planned for bikes and it just i wish it was more so like they would have to do some serious work to make it better but i I hope they do i mean biking should be we should normalize that and make you know more walkable kinds of cities because i don't know single single cars is just not that shouldn't be the future trains bicycles and that should be kind of where we focus. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I mean, cars should still exist, but, you know, to some <laughs> extent, we got to do better. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> yeah. I And have either of, have either of you seen that uh, that YouTube channel called Not Just Bikes? You know what I'm talking about? I have not. No. It's a, it's a Canadian guy who moved to the Netherlands, and he talks about you know, bicycle infrastructure and, and, you know, what it's like to ride a bike in the Netherlands, but also other stuff just as far as like urban architecture and like how the roads work better in the Netherlands because Hmm. not everyone is driving everywhere basically. Yeah. I bet that's, it seems like there's probably a lot of places in Europe that are much better for transportation than, you know, most parts of the U S. Yeah. Um, where was I? Okay, yeah, I got I got another one more quote. Um, uh, Beatrice Grimshaw. She said that uh, to her family, she was the revolting daughter, as they called them then. Nice. I bought a bicycle with difficulty. I rode it unchaperoned, mile and miles beyond the limits possibly, the limits possible to the soberly trotting horses. The world opened before me, and as soon as my twenty-first birthday dawned. I went away from home to see what the world might to give to daughters who revolted. All right. I am now an anarcho Grimshaw. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, that all of that. I mean, I think she was like some kind of slightly aristocratic rich girl, but also like props on her for, you know, telling the patriarchy to fuck off. Which let's 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 take this moment to <clears throat> acknowledge the fact that 
lot of revolutionary heroes have been uh, class traitors to yes. uh, and and uh, highborn in some some respect. So uh, you know, I don't know what that pattern's about, but there's something to it. Yeah. yeah. Being a class trader is fucking awesome if you start off in the ruling class. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, just to look that up. Yes, she was a uh, of a well-to-do family in Ireland. Um, but yeah, I mean, and some of these, you know, early feminists were kind of racist also. So like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Can't, can't all be good. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, and... Also, it's kind of interesting that like the Wright brothers got their start doing bicycles. Um, like, I think one of them owned a printing press, and then eventually they opened a bike shop uh, called the Wright Cycle Company in 1892. Um, and then um, first they were just selling bikes, and then they started making their own bikes, and that sort of gave them the skills uh, and knowledge to you know build the first airplanes. Huh. Okay. So the first airplane partially thanks to bicycles yeah well i mean they had the the propellers on their their airplane were driven by like chains and sprockets fair enough yeah so the we're still talking about the safety bicycle um by around 1900 this evolved in what's called the roadster style today we'd call this uh like a city bike or like a dutch style bicycle um, it's got fenders, a chain guard, sort of the swept back handlebars, and you sit on it very upright. So it's not like a racing bike. It's just for getting around in the city and being comfortable and like not getting your clothes dirty. And, you know, I I, I kind of like these bikes. Like my dad had one for a while that he got in the Netherlands. You know, a lot of them have like the three speed hub gears. So you don't have the, you know, you don't have to touch the, the chain hardly at all ever. Except maybe like once a year, open up that chain case, clean it, re-grease it, and you're good. Um, and a lot of the newer ones have like, um, what do you call it? Belt drives, like tooth belts. And those are pretty cool. There's basically no maintenance on that unless, you know, you need to like hose it down to get some mud off or something. A belt drive, though? Yeah, like a tooth I'm against, belt. I'm against belt drives in every instance that they exist. I hate belts. I'm I mean, like, put a fucking chain on it. It's I'm, it's like I'm a super it's like a cam belt. belt basically. Yeah. On your bike. Those those should go away too. All belts <laughs> done. Oh yeah. Oh my timing belt. I'm like what the fuck are you putting rubber in there for? Put a chain on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I just Let belt me wear. introduce you. Let me introduce you to the Audi 4.2 liter V8 with four timing chains <laughs> on the rear of the motor and you'll swap belts every 10,000 miles rather than deal with that fucking bullshit. Okay, that's just out bad Audi design, and they True. put it in the rear of the engine because they just wanted to fuck with you. That's on purpose. <laughs> um, but, like, imagine what it... So, but would it be worse if they were belts that you had to change back there? The answer is yes. I'm not waiting for you to respond. The answer is yes. I was going to try to think up a way that it would not be worse, but no, you're right. It, it would be worse. Well, I think that's what the Saab 900 had a timing belt in the back of the engine. Yeah, I think it's it's easier to change the clutch on one of those than it is to change the timing belt. So, yep. And you have to change the timing belt because it's going to wear out, unlike a chain. Yeah. Which sometimes they wear, but last a lot longer. When they have 
plastic guides that get cut into by yep. a metal chain, they will wear out. Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> Ask true. Me how I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we talked earlier about the spoon brakes, which is just a piece of metal that rubs on the tire. Um, around this time, around 1900, you first had uh, hub gears, like the internal, you know, three-speed hub that I was talking about, which is like a, it's like a planetary gear set, like in an automatic transmission, but you manually shift it. You had the invention of like coaster brakes, drum brakes, rim brakes, the hub gears, which I mentioned, uh, and then derailers also. Like that, like, I think derailers started off in the late 1800s, but they weren't really, you know, usable on a commercial bike until around 1900. And then they didn't really come into common use until the 1930s. And I think they were banned by the Tour de France and put up until like 1937 or so. Back in the day, you had something called a flip-flop hub, which is you have low gears for like climbing hills, and then you take your wheel off and flip it 180 degrees, and you have a bigger sprocket that you can put on there for the high speed, but you have to stop. Very to, convenient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and if I can go on a little bit of a rant, I don't really understand why derailers is spelled all weird in French. Like, like there's not other stuff that we that we spell that way. Like, you know, I know it it was invented by French people, but like it just it means the same in English as in French. It just means like derail, like derail a train, you know. But I don't know. Wait, how's it spelled? Uh, well, what's it gonna tell me? Uh, D E R a i l l e u r s. Oh, yeah. Derailers. <laughs> Fucking French. Yeah. So, um, I could go on, but I think that's all we have time for today. I think we're gonna try and stop here soon. But um, I think next uh, next time we'll pick it up with, you know. Um, some bicycles being used in, in warfare. And um, I have on my notes, you know, mountain bikes. What else? Uh, early mountain biking, recumbents, maybe BMX bikes, although I don't know much about those. Um, yeah, anything else, you know, write in if, if we didn't uh, cover your favorite bicycle and we'll uh, add it to the list. But um yeah. Anything else uh, before we wrap up and finish up here, guys, or any uh, any comments on bicycles? I think that's the perfect place to end it uh, with me talking shit about French. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, other than that, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll pick it back up on the next one and, uh, you know, follow our social media and uh, reach out where you can find us on uh, carsandcomrades at gmail.com. You can send us hate mail or, you know, nice comments, preferably, but hate mail, too, I suppose. If you're the designer of the Flizz bicycle, please, please reach out. I want to talk to you. I just want to meet up in person in a dark alley and talk. That's it. I just want to talk. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Zach, I'll, I'll come out to Denver. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll level a conversation. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> So, yeah, you can find us on, uh, you know, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Hexbear, Reddit, I think. Uh, yeah. 
those are the main ones. Maybe Facebook marginally, but yeah, I, I was telling you, Connor, that I want to get more involved with that, and then I just haven't done anything with it since then. So, you know, yeah, it is what Who it knows? is. We Maybe... we all got our own day jobs and hobbies and cars to fix. So, yep, yep. but that's all I got. I think that's it. Yeah. If listeners, if you want to do our social media for us, write in. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'm going to call it then. Uh, have a good night, y'all. All right. Yep. Have a, have good, a good night. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. When left entirely on its own devices, capitalism foists its diseconomies and its toxicity upon the general public and upon the natural environment and then it does an interesting thing it eventually begins to devour itself if the paladins of corporate america want to know what really threatens our way of life it's their way of life it don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile winning's winning Uh, it's important that we examine the twin forces behind the Biden candidacy, the billionaires and the Bolsheviks. Ha 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 ha!